When it comes to running a business, few things matter more than generating revenue. But sales folks aren't just closing deals. They're tracking down leads, forecasting growth, whipping up reports, managing contracts, creating content, crunching numbers. The list goes on and on. And with Q4 around the corner, there's a better way to win. It all starts with the new HubSpot Sales Hub. With HubSpot Sales Hub, your data, tools, and teams are fully linked inside a smart and highly customizable platform that feels good to use. Turn prospects into pipeline and close the deal all in one place. Plus, sequences and smooth workflows helps reps streamline tasks and spend more time on what they do best, connecting with customers. With Sales Hub, closing deals is no big deal. Try it for yourself at HubSpot.com slash sales. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here, back with another episode. And today in the guest chair, I have Danielle Walton, and she is the founder of Hoop Mob. Hoop Mob is home of the hoop earring. She started it in 2019 after her time in the fashion industry between New York and Michigan. She felt Like she spent a lot of time conforming to what was deemed appropriate in predominantly white spaces. And she wanted to highlight and celebrate hoops because of what they represent in black and brown culture, their form of self-expression. So today, the mom of one has grown the brand to over seven figures in annual revenue with a community stretched across the country. I really enjoyed hearing her journey coming from Flint, Michigan, all the way to starting this amazing brand that I myself shop from and that I know that you'll love as well. So let's get right into it. All right. So welcome to the guest chair, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is like, first of all, you don't know the impact of your podcast in like the business world, but this is like one of my bucket lists to be on Uh, Pro. I'm so honored. I could, you know, you just never believe, never understand when you're just feel recording out of your closet and talking to people of course yes. but hearing and seeing the impact is always so surreal so thank you i appreciate that um of course and i actually i've i have purchased from hoop mob <laughs> this is really? what i have it's like it has roses and it says oh, what is this oh, on the yes. top yeah, give yeah. us our flowers yes give us our flowers <laughs> i have that t-shirt let me tell you i yeah. saw that um and we'll get into you know how you market and stuff like that intentional versus mm-hmm. just coincidence but i saw it on one of my youtube girls monroe Steele, yes. and you know oh, I, I i buy like so much that she recommends so <laughs> She is a problem. She's okay? a problem. <laughs> I'm sure she sells out your site. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about um, who you were growing up. I understand you're from Flint, Michigan, and shout out yeah. to Michigan. But Flint, Flint is kind of different, right? Like I grew up in the Bronx, so I think yeah. that we it has some similarities there. So when you were in Flint, when you were growing up, what did you see yourself doing as an adult? Yeah. So growing up, I really I was always the kid that wanted to do something in the arts. Like I was acting as a kid like I wanted to you remember those barbazon schools yes, like, yes. Like, that was me signing up for those <laughs> I like, would be a model <laughs> I, yeah. 
I wanted to cheer. I wanted to just, I was one of those kids who was like a dreamer basically, Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't want to say is odd in Flint, but it's just, you know, far-fetched that you can really make it that far from Flint. Um, We are a automotive town. So General Motors is there. Um, Buick was there, you know, so it was more like a factory town, kind of like a, um, you know, middle class, lower middle class town. And then they took a lot of the factories away. So I kind of just saw the decline of the city. Mm. Um, but for me growing up, like I was always wanting to do something. I know my mama was tired of me. Like, <laughs> like we gotta go I win it now. <laughs> I gotta take you in. I want to do gymnastics and yeah. I want to do this and I want to do that. And like, thankfully she really did like expose me to a lot of things. So I was really mm. grateful for that. But um, yeah, I was definitely just, and an ideas person. It's so funny, like growing up and becoming an adult, you yeah. really like your younger self knew the whole time. Oh, you know yes. What I mean? So yes. <laughs> I would come up with ideas and my my um, cousins, I'm like, all right, this week we're going to do this. And they're like, oh, God, here she goes. You know, <laughs> we just want to play, Danielle. Like we, can we just go outside. <laughs> No, we're going to do a lemonade stand. You know, it was like all these ideas all the time. I love it. um, It's so funny. I always had that like entrepreneurial mind. That drive. (laughs) It is so funny to look back at who you were as a kid because that creative spirit is really what was giving us signs all along, like you said. And sometimes, you guys, that might be a hint. You just need to tap back into your inner child a little bit. Like, who was I before I started living for societal expectations, before I started doing what I thought and think I should be doing? Who was I? And go from there. So, exactly. I understand you moved from Flint to New York at some point. Why? Why did you make that move? What were you doing in New York? So um, I was I went back and forth for a second. I went out there to intern. Okay. Um, I was going to I was going to a local community college. I went to my community college in Flint. And but, you know, we grew up in that era where we're watching the hills and the city and yep. like all those girls. They're doing these fashion internships. And I was already really into fashion. So um, when it came time for an internship, I'm like, well, only internships I know is fashion internships in <laughs> New York. So I'm going to try for that, you know? So um, I was just applying for all of these different internships. I ended up getting one at Marie Claire magazine in okay. New York. So I went there for five months. And while I was there, um, I was also interning at Ellie Tahari, which is a brand like at Lord mm, and Taylor. Stuff yeah, like that. yeah, I know Tahari. So, yes. So um, I did that for a while. I came back home um you know finished school and then my friend he uh, Corey Stokes he's big in the fashion game now but Mm -hmm. he um was able to kind of hire his own assistants at that point he was a stylist yeah and so he's like well whenever you you're ready like come on out and I can get you you know a job like a freelance job okay Corey I was working (laughs) I know I was like yeah listen you ain't gotta tell me twice (laughs) shout out to friends that put their friends on (laughs) Yes, always. So um, he told me that and I was literally there uh, no later than three weeks. So um, I moved to New York and slept in his living room. I literally put like a little twin bed in his living room um, (laughs) and just was grinding. Like I once I got there, I was working with him. I was, um, so what I would do is go to Barnes and Nobles on the weekend. Yeah, I would pull all these fashion magazines, sit and like look up who are the stylists, who's the editors, like 
the photographers and I would email them. I would find their Google and find their email addresses and say like, oh, you know, I'm an assistant. Do you need an assistant um, coming up or anything? And they would email me back and say, yeah, I need an assistant for this shoot or, oh, yeah, we're doing test shoots and we need um, some help. So that really worked out for me. What? I love it. I love the drive. Like, I remember, too, going to Barnes & Noble myself. Like, oh, those were the days. Like, just sit in there, not buy nothing, but I'm going to read all this. (laughs) But I'm going to read. (laughs) What all this inspo. And for you to take that extra step of reaching out to these people, that is amazing. Okay, tip right there, y'all. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. Now, what happened next? I know you didn't go from interning in fashion to starting Hoop Mob, right? You you had no. a lot of life to live in between that. So what was that journey before you became an entrepreneur? So um, in New York, I, again, was just kind of, I wanted to be in fashion. That's all I knew. It was like, I wanted to work in fashion some kind of way. I was really creative. Um, but I would say it, my, my time in New York was really interesting because I was kind of bouncing around mm-hmm. from job to job. I worked at like a consignment store in Brooklyn. Mm. Um, I was, I it took another internship. I took a full-time internship at Oprah Magazine um, in their fashion closet. You were working and with so, all the greats. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yes. I was soaking up all that knowledge. Um, so I worked in their fashion closet. I was their jewelry intern, which mm-hmm. is ironic considering now I have a jewelry yes. business. But Life shows um, us signs. Don't, don't you? I yes. love that thing. Life shows us signs, y'all. Pay attention. Yep. Okay. Yes. Um, and so I did some time there and then I, I ended up getting um, hired full time at Brooks Brothers okay. in their marketing department. And so um, really just kind of on their e-commerce shoots, you know, helping on set. Sometimes I would help pack up all of the clothes and e-commerce is really just kind of like a, a tedious, mm-hmm. like kind of routine. So um, but I really enjoyed my time there. It was good. But after a while. New York is great, but um, the older you get, you're like, oh man, this is getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you oh, gotta take I don't a break deal sometimes. With yeah, you gotta take a New York break sometimes. Yes, I didn't even know I would so. be coming back to New York. I'm in New York now because yeah, I reached that point too, where it's like. I don't want roommates or living at home. I'm from New York. So I moved back home with my parents to get my own Mm -hmm. place. I had to leave. I had to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened after you were like, okay, enough, enough. Okay. This is enough. And I remember the day. It was so funny. I was, um, it was snowy. Mm -hmm. It was like that slushy, nasty Uh, snow. uh, (laughs) And I was living, I was commuting from what, like, um, 42nd Street to like Fulton, like deep in Brooklyn, you know what I mean? And I'm like walking home from the train. I'm like, why am I doing this? This is just like, I knew I wasn't completely happy at my job because although I, I achieved that dream of like corporate job in New York City working in fashion, um, I wasn't able to be creative. Mm -hmm. Um, and I still felt like, okay, maybe this is not completely it. Okay. Um, and so. I did a little bit of soul searching, like, okay, what do I want to do next? Um, and but I figured I could figure that out at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, for what I'm paying here and like the, you know, it's just not as comfortable as I want to be. So I went home, um, moved back in with my mom, and she was so gracious of like, figure it out, whatever you want to do. Like, was not pressuring me to like 
you know, find a job right away and, you know, hurry up and get out of her house. She was really just kind of giving me grace to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, so I just started working here at like, I still wanted to like hold on to that fashion thing. Right. So I was working um, at, I worked at Saks, I worked at Neiman's, mm-hmm. um, I worked at J. Crew for and a little while. Were you working remotely or in the um, Detroit office, uh, Detroit, in the Detroit area, locations, like okay. at the retail stores. Got it. So, um, which was also very I don't know. Anywhere I work, um, I really try to think of it as like, what am I supposed to learn from mm-hmm. this place? Like yeah. during my time here, what am I supposed to take away? So working in New York in like the fashion capital, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a bubble. New York is like a little bubble. Like New York feels like nowhere else really exists or matters. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to step out of that. I, yes, to step out of that and then work, still working with like, you know, um, high-end designers at Saks and Neiman's and stuff like that to see how people were responding to the clothes. You know, you're in a space where it's like, oh, fashion shows and runway and, you know, all of that. But then to see how people actually react to the clothes, it was like really a learning experience of like, okay, this doesn't work for everybody. Or when you put it in the real world, you know, people want their arms covered or they want this or they want that, you know? So I, I really kind of, soaked everything in from every job that I had. I, I soaked it Oh, in. interesting. So, so people yeah. had different considerations. Like in New York, it's like, I just want to dress to impress. And I saw it yes. on the runway. I don't care. Put it on me. Whereas in real life, everyday communities where people are just like everyday middle-class workers, they're just like, okay, yeah. what's practical? I want to look good, but also I have some practical needs. Yeah. And I, you know, so for now, with my business now, it's really, we listen to the customers so much. It's so important, I feel like, to to monitor the customers, seeing how they're reacting to things. Um, and I really kind of took that from my time in retail. Excellent. Excellent. Very wise of you. <laughs> now, at what point did you start side hustling? Mm. So I kind of always was a side hustler, which is funny. Um, during my time in New York, I started a um, like a home decor business. Okay. I was making candles. Oh. Yeah, so I had a business in New York called Walton Home in New York, Ooh. and so I was making candles. I was making little like um, prints, like wall prints and right, stuff like right. that, um, and was kind of just doing that on my spare time. I tried to do that still when I came home, but it just wasn't really like catching on like I wanted it to. Um, and I, I tried like styling people. It's really hard to style people in from Michigan. So <laughs> it's like Wait, not why the market is that? for that. Why is that? Why, why is it hard to style people from Michigan? <laughs> it's just, well, not people from Michigan. Oh. I'm just saying like, this is in not the, the market. You know, people right. don't really understand yeah. having a stylist or don't maybe don't even see the need to have a stylist, you know? So I was always like trying to figure out something. Um, and then with Hoop Bob, so... Let's see. In 2017, I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, so that really kind of put a hold on everything. I'm like, okay, let me just I was like working, um, you know, was pregnant. I had my baby in January 2018. And then I was stay at home mom for several months. Um, But during that time, I was still kind of looking for like, what is that next thing for me? 
you know, just thinking of ideas. I'm really, I'm a big like vision board person. Yes. Pinterest is like my best friend. I have like a million hidden boards on Pinterest. <laughs> Same. <just> like, Same. <laughs> ideas and everything. So like I said, I was a stay at home mom for like eight months. And then um, I actually started working with the lip bar. So I was a good friend, R- Roscoe and Melissa. Um, we all lived in New York at the same time. Okay. So um, Roscoe just hit me up one day and was like, oh, do you want to do social for the lip bar? I'm like, yeah, why not? You yes, know? I so, love that connection. Big fans of the lip yes. bar over here. Same, same. So um, I started working for the lip bar and I worked for them for like a year and a half. Um, and it was really, it was such a good experience because one, like it just feels so good to work with black girls yes. every day, all yes. day, you know? Yes. <laughs> So it was like a really good, like nurturing environment. So just all my peers were amazing. Um, but then not only that, it was like a an opportunity for me to grow because mm-hmm. with having different businesses and wanted, wanting to do different things, I had um, a limiting mindset of like, okay, you have great ideas, but you don't know how to make money from them. Ooh. Or you have good ideas, but you don't know how to build a platform. You don't know how to build an audience. You know what I mean? So I would tell myself these things. And I feel like God gave me that opportunity at the lip bar to show me like, no, look at what you're doing for this company. You do know how to do this. Yes. You're helping them grow. You're helping to create, you know, like, and, and it was that opportunity to be creative. So like I said, in New York, I felt like I wasn't really given the opportunity to really be creative like I wanted to be. Um, and working at the lip bar, it was so, it was so like natural for me because the voice, of the brand like was resonated right you know what right. i mean so i was able to really kind of just be creative so that is it was a so really, really good phenomenal i didn't know that about your background that is yeah. so awesome because you bring up some really important points the fact that we can't move forward unless we learn to address our biggest critic, which is the voice in our head that tells us these things. We like to blame it on imaginary people like, oh, what will they think? Or they'll say this. No, it's you. It's you. So let's <laughs> let's address what you're telling yourself and why and unpack that. Yeah. And I love that not only were you doing it for them, but you also got to see a black woman CEO in action who looks like you, you know, has style and a personality like you. And you're like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. You know, and she's also from um, a a city in Michigan. Right. She's Detroit. Right. And you're Michigan and you're Flint. So, yeah, it's like Mm -hmm. how much more I can do this. Can it get? (laughs) Yes. So at that point, what was the first step you took to get started? Did you know Hoop Mob Mm -hmm. was going to be your thing? at that point? So um, it was so funny. I was at the office one day with the girls and um, I was like, hey, I got this idea. And I just kind of ran it by them to see, um, you know, to get feedback. Mm -hmm. And immediately everyone was like, yes, absolutely. When are you going to start it? Like, start this immediately. And I'm like, really? Are you you sure? I'm like, okay. So um, still, I was really kind of nervous to start it um, because Again, still working through that mindset piece of like, you know, you can do this. Um, But I started working on it and it was, it's so funny because God was literally putting so many people in my life to say like, hello, no, you can do this because (laughs) um, my daughter, her dad, um, he he actually has an e-commerce brand and I was helping with that at the time. And that's when I realized that I really did like, e-commerce. I love the, um, just being able to put 
a product out there, put an idea out there and seeing people's response to mm-hmm. it, seeing how they, you know, they're posting and they're sharing and they're liking that. And mm-hmm. so um, it was him. And then it was like confirmed with like being with the lip bar. Like I just really saw like, oh, I like this. Yeah. Um, and so the idea for hoops came from, I was literally at home when I was at home, a stay at home mom, I was Googling and YouTube being like, how to make a million dollars. Million dollar ideas. Don't we all know, like, yeah, <laughs> business ideas for 20 to the 18, you know, like all of that. And so all of these like drop shipping videos kept coming up. Mm. I really liked watching them because they were, these guys were like starting a store from scratch and walking you through like their first sale. Yes. And I was like, this is so interesting. Um, but then when I started to think about it, I'm like, I could never drop ship. Like that would be, that would be so nerve wracking for me of like never seeing the product and not being in that process, you know? Um, and then I was trying to think of like what that product could be for me though, you know, like they, cause a lot of them had like single product stores Okay. and I'm like, that is so interesting. Like my mind was blown by the concept and just like how much money they were making and stuff. So when I thought about jewelry and then I was like, oh, hoops. And I'm like, oh, wait, hoops. Like, I know this really kind of is deeper than just like how to make a million dollars. You know, it's, it really means something to me. It means something to my community. Yep. I'm like, I, I know I can um, connect with women through this. You know what I mean? Right. So it was like, oh, this is a great idea, you yep. know? And um, when I shared it with people and even when I started it, I launched it with almost no inventory. Like, <laughs> What it was almost mean? comical. It was just a photo? It was almost comical. No, it was like, I was so afraid to invest that I bought like five of this, <laughs> ten of this, you know. I, I, <laughs> like, I could relate. Relatable content. Yes. Listen, I really did not. I was so scared to invest in inventory. But um, when I launched it, you know, it's everything pretty much sold out same day. And um, which, again, was not much. So it was easy to sell out. <laughs> But it looks good when you sell out, though. It looks good. It does. (laughs) But um, so from there, I would, you know, I wouldn't restock right away. Mm -hmm. I was still, like I said, working full time. So I I really wasn't putting my full energy in it. Um, And at least on um, three different occasions, random like friends, but Mm -hmm. like, you know, friends that I don't talk to that often um, called me. And I remember specifically this girl was like, um... I know you have all the ideas all the time, but you might want to keep this one. <laughs> like, this one is a really good idea. Wow. Like, don't let this die. Like, I know you had the home decor stuff, and that was cute, and you, yeah. you know, whatever. But like, don't let this one die. Yes. And I was like, okay, you know. Um, and then come 2020, I wasn't working at the lip bar anymore, mm-hmm. and I did. I had this box of inventory sitting that I just kind of wasn't, you know. I didn't, I hadn't listed it or anything. And I was like, you know what, let me start like putting my all into this because I think with running a business, with marketing, like when you're first starting off, you have so many things, internal things that, you know, you're telling yourself that really don't matter. I don't want to post all day. I don't want to get on people's nerves. Yep. (laughs) I don't want to seem like I'm driving this down their throat. You know, I don't want to, it's like, I don't want to seem, I don't want to seem. And it's like, you got to make some money, you know, Right. right. (laughs) you got a business to run. So, um, I literally, I just, I told myself I have to, um, put my ego down. Yes. Basically I have to put my pride aside. Mm -hmm. I have to put my ego down and I have to really like put my all into this. Um, and so, 
I had a really cute, like, aesthetic Instagram for the brand, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I started promoting on Facebook as well. And then when I started promoting on Facebook, a lot of my friends were like, oh, I didn't know you were doing this. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, you think people see stuff, but they don't. You know what I mean? So once I started promoting on Facebook, people were sharing. Mm -hmm. People were like, oh, you know, when are you getting more of this? You know, and I remember one day we had done as much in one day as we had done the previous month. Wow. So that that whole month of March, I think. We had done all of that in one day in April. And it was still, it was very minimal. It was like under $600, but it still was like, huh, okay. Yeah, you know, we're this, up to is, something. this is interesting. That shows yeah, the potential. Exactly. And I love that you, again, bring up that just how much you have to push past yourself in this process. So I think that is the biggest obstacle. Like I have a, a side hustle guide and I spend time focusing on that because it is truly the biggest obstacle. It's not anyone else. It's not money. It's not business cards. It's not website. No, it's, it's what you tell. It's not logo. It's what you tell yourself. And sometimes we use yes. those things. We tell ourselves, Oh, we, I need that. That's what's holding me back. But again, it's inner work. It's the mindset piece. And it's that inner critic, not even so much ego or whatever. It's the inner critic. And I also love that you remind us that people are not seeing your posts as much as you think. So you can post all you want. And don't even worry about it because different people are going to see different posts. It will not be too much because just the way the algorithm works, they are not seeing it all. And it's funny because this happens to like, I have posted less about this pregnancy, but every time I post, someone's like, oh my God, where have I been? And I'm like, nowhere, nowhere. I just, I, you know, I posted one post and everyone didn't see it because of course right. everyone doesn't see your post. So <laughs> I'm like, you, you've been where you are. Don't worry. Success Story, hosted by Scott D. Clary, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Success Story features Q&A sessions with successful business leaders, keynote presentations, and conversations on sales, marketing, business, startups, and entrepreneurship. I recently checked out the episode called How to Focus Like Einstein, where Scott discusses how to zero in on this laser-like focus, because we all know that we can accomplish more in less time if we just focus. Listen to Success Story wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into the inventory piece. I'm curious how you matched your vision with a manufacturer that fit your vision, that felt unique to Hoop Mob, and while also, you know, not physically making every piece yourself. How did you go about that process? So a lot of um, long nights on on the computer, (laughs) literally a lot of long nights, a lot of our um, vendors and our manufacturers are, of course, overseas. So we're I'm like talking to them all hours of the night. But it's literally just and it's so funny because, um, you know, you get people that are like, well, you know, are you going to teach a class, share your vendors, this and that? And I'm like, it's like a hodgepodge, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) Mm -hmm. you understand you're like, you try this out and you're like, okay, they're good for this. Mm-hmm. They're good for this. Like, I okay, I can source this from this person or um, I think they can make me this because I see that they make this. You know what I mean? So I literally have just had to put together like a combination of, of good manufacturers and vendors that I 
trust. And that's a process too. You know, you have to test them out, try them out. A lot of our stuff we do, um, you know, wear test and make sure it's not too heavy, make sure it's not going to irritate you, all of those things. So it's just a lot of testing and learning. So we also were, um, you know, sourcing from LA and New York and stuff like that. But Hoop Mob grew so fast to where they weren't having, they didn't have enough of what we needed. You know what I mean? So um, we had to quickly like pivot from that. So it's just been, it's still, yeah, <laughs> Michaela, it is not figured out. Okay. <laughs> it's still a learning process because, um, you know, we're continuing to grow and now we're getting into more, um, you know, original designs to us. Mm-hmm. And we're having to go through that process of like, just back and forth with our manufacturers and yeah. making sure we get, you know, to, the, you to the correct product. Yeah. It's okay to not, we're all, I mean, I'm still in the, I'm figuring stuff out every day. Like that's the real yeah. of entrepreneurship. I think anyone who comes on here and acts like they're all, have it all figured out. Um, it's like <laughs> lying. <laughs> yes. Point And it's just not relatable for most of us. So I, yeah. I hear that a hundred percent. Um, if, if someone wanted to start a business like accessories, jewelry, whatever it is, uh, what's a reasonable investment they should be ready to put down for inventory? Honestly, it can vary. Like I just snowballed it. So mm-hmm. I feel like when I went from just a little teeny tiny amount of inventory to mm-hmm. like, okay, a sizable amount. I mean, you could spend anywhere between like five hundred to a thousand dollars in just investing in like a small collection. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just go, you know, boss to the wall and just right, have right, everything. Right, right. I would yes. just start with, you know, a small kind of collection of, and then kind of test and see what your audience likes, what connects with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I think you have to kind of connect with it too to be able to really market it well. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, I would say you can start with definitely like a thousand dollars or less. Okay. And when you start with that, um, how do you determine pricing for these things? Are you just looking at what other people are charging for similar wares or do you have another pricing structure? So um, my my accountant will tell you right now that he is uh, <laughs> over me in my pricing, okay? Because um, I'm like, let me, let me go to the website now and order before listen. you... Uh, <laughs> up these prices all right like what are you doing because people come on this show and then the prices change (laughs) (laughs) listen we we are always going to be affordable but um that was my thing i'm like okay let me make sure we're definitely making a profit but while remaining affordable um however as we're growing there was stuff that i wasn't accounting for like the marketing expenses like um, you know, packaging, like all of the other little costs that that go into like pricing something. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then once, you know, demand goes up and I'm like, all right, well, I think we can like raise this maybe like a dollar or two. And my account's like, what math did you do for that? Like, what was your... <laughs> Thank you, accountant. What was your thought process right, right, around right, that? Right. How'd you get to this? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's so true. So, yeah, it's definitely still like testing and learning. But I do think, um, I think we will always remain really affordable. Like what I have on now, like this is part of our Lux collection, which is mm. still really affordable. You know, I've been staring else. at this jewelry the whole time, y'all. You got to check this out on YouTube because I'm like, okay, copping that, copping that. Like I love a good stack. And I feel like, you Thank know, you. 
and this is why influencer work is so important because I need to see it styled. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I can't look yes. on a website and say, oh, that would look good together. But when I see it styled, I'm like, oh, give me all of that. She wore that life. I like how that. she wore it. Give it, give it all to me. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to do after this call. You know what? <laughs> I will go on the website, look at everything you're wearing. Thank you. That is so funny. That's a huge part of um, just how we connect to our audience, too. So I go live every week um, and it's like a party every week. Like it is so funny. They come in on the lives and they're in the comments like, hey, y'all. Hey, how y'all doing? Like, like it's a meetup. It's a meetup. <laughs> yeah. So, but like you said, it's important to see it. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, ooh, I know they haven't thought to pair these two things together. So I'll put it t- together on live or, you know, I'm showing the new arrivals or showing things that's coming. Yes. So yeah, that's super important for us. We didn't talk about the name, but Hoop Mob. I just love that name. You know why? Because it immediately signals community. It's like it immediately mm-hmm. is, I buy this, but I'm also part of something. How did you come up with the name? It literally just came to me. I was playing with names. Um, and originally I thought of Hoop Gang, but um, I went to look up like the hashtag and stuff and people were already using that name. So mm-hmm. um, I went to, back to the drawing board and I just came up with Hoop Mob. And I'm like, I like this. I like the look of it. Like it was... I don't know. It just stuck to me. So, um, but you're right. Every time we have like a huge drop or something and stuff is selling out mm-hmm. really quickly, um, people are like, the mob was the perfect name. Yes. Like, yes, yes. Mob, that, that's all they do. <laughs> <laughs> they the mob, mob don't play. Like, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it is, it's such a community. And I think, um, you know, when people talk about, you know, positioning and like what, what sets you apart. Yeah. Um, yes, of course, you can get accessories almost anywhere. But I think the fact that we celebrate who our customers are, we yes. specifically talk to black and brown women um, and they feel a part of this. They're like they have a sense of pride yes. shopping with us and wearing our things. So I think that really kind of makes the difference for us now. A few years, not even a few, but four years in, right? We're four years into Hoop Mob. What's your system for determining how much of each product to get so that you're not underestimating yourself and you're not um, frustrating Mm -hmm. your audience, but you're also not carrying too much inventory? It is a delicate dance. (laughs) So we, um, so my sister, she is also like huge into fashion. She lives in New York as well. She is, um, like our buyer now. So she helps with that. And her and I put together kind of like some basics of like, okay, if this is a style that is kind of risky, Mm -hmm. um, then we're like, okay, we're only going to buy, like we have a base number of like no more than this. Um, and then we test it to see if it, if it sells out quickly, Mm -hmm. if it's just sitting and that helps us to determine if we're going to restock it or not. For example, so we have in the mob, if they see this before it comes out, they're going to be jumping for joy. But we have a a collection called the Melanated Collection Uh and it's different shades of brown hoops. And so those are like have been like our top seller for two and a half years now. Like they they're always selling. Yeah. Um, And so we know they love that and we and they've been asking for a smaller size. So we're going to create a small size and that we know we can invest deep into mm-hmm. and it's important to um for us what i was coming up against is like okay let's say i buy 
I only buy a hundred of something. Um, that doesn't really give me, unless you know, if I know that this is something that they have either been asking for or like, or, you know, it's very similar to something else that I really liked. Um, if it sells out quickly, that really doesn't give me time to, um, like for marketing, let's say uh, we, we did like a full campaign on it yep. and it sells out first day. Yeah. We can't even use those pictures anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's such a, it's so, I didn't um, even think about that. Right. So yeah. Yes. A lot of my friends, they're like, Oh, I didn't think about that. It's so deep. It's like, if we spend money on models, a mm -hmm. photographer, all of that. And then that thing sells out day one. It's great. It's sold out, but we could have sold so many more. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If we had more and if we would invest in it more and if we can run, you know, ads on something and kind of yeah. give it a little bit more breathing room and a little bit more time. Like, so for those things, anything that you see in an ad from Hoop Mob, we have at least 500 or more of those. Like okay. we have a lot of that thing because yeah. I still personally run our ads, so I don't like to have to switch the ads every other week. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. It has to be like a set it and forget it type of thing. I like, get that. All right. We got a bunch of this. Yep. We're going to let these ads run and do its thing. And you know when they go, when they click on it, they're going to be able to get it. Yes. When things exactly. do sell out, though, how quickly do you reorder? Do you ever say, all right, this sold out. I still have more promo for it. So I'm going to place another order. And maybe on the website, it's like, a what do they like to put? Pre-order, right? You have Sign that. Sign up for restock. Oh. Yep. Mm, no, we you don't, don't do pre-orders. Pre pre okay. <sighs> pre I mean, we have. We've done it a few times. And every time it's a disaster. So... <laughs> <laughs> Thank we you for your honesty. Why is it a disaster? Uh, because there's so many variables that you can't account for. So maybe just out the blue, you know, your package is stuck in somewhere, you yeah. know, and it's like, oh, I promised them this by this day and we're not able to get it. So now we're either we're having to backtrack with like offering them a discount code to make mm -hmm. sure, you know, just to keep the, the customers happy. We're yeah. having to do all this extra communicating and stuff. Um, when we first started, um, we did a t-shirt and now, right now our t-shirts are print on demand. So okay. they're, you know, third party, but we did a t-shirt and, um, I had a friend who, who does shirts and stuff. So he was going to make them for us and we did pre-orders for those and the blanks sold out. What is that? <laughs> What's the, what do you, what do you mean? The blanks, the, the shirt blanks. So you know how you you have to buy the oh, shirt. Oh, the actual and shirt. Then you print on yes, them. yes. Yes. Oh no. So, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Right. Because you so, pick a certain we, shirt. You know, you yes. pick the feel that you like, the cut, all of that. So if it sells out, you can't just oh I'm gonna get any black t shirt to print on. No, and it was like an acid wash shirt. Oh, we had to take pictures acid wash. in that exact yeah. shirt and like was marketing that shirt that fit that size and it sold out. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm like, what are we going to do now? So we had to pivot and do a different cut mm -hmm. of that shirt. And we had to like communicate that to the customers and show them that it was just, it was, I was like, we're not doing this. Anymore. No, no, I get it now. <laughs> so, I get it. Yeah. And one other thing too, with um, manufacturing, I used to work for a, what do they call themselves? Um, a, re a e commerce retailer as well. And we would do mm -hmm. drop shipping where, you know, we would do pre orders. Everything was like, you place your order, then we communicate to the manufacturers how many we need based mm -hmm. on how the sale went. And then they were supposed to ship us that amount and they would often short ship. So you, 
you place an order for a hundred. Why am I getting ninety seven? <laughs> now yeah. I gotta go back to yeah. the customer and say, "Oh, I know you paid for this. You entered your card information, <laughs> yeah. but you're not getting it." <laughs> and now you're a scammer. Now you know what I mean. Now you're the scammer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So so much can happen. Um, very very yeah. important to know about this stuff. How are you doing in the space of finances? A lot of people lose money. A lot of people earn and make a lot when they first start out. What has been your experience? So um, we have been really lucky in that we haven't lost any money. We've been profitable pretty much since day one. Um, However, we have like the profits are less and less the more you grow. (laughs) Okay, talk about it. You are, yeah. So you're investing in more, you're expanding your team. Mm -hmm. Like now we're a team of seven. Okay. um, With a few contractors as well. Um, We're spending more on ads and just like, so when Mob started, it literally started just guerrilla style. Like there was no website design. I was using a, uh Shopify template up until like this year. <laughs> like yeah, this year. I was not we did not have a web design. Um luckily my um daughter's dad, he's a graphic designer, so he made the logo. Okay. Um the original logo. But like it was like no really no overhead cost because my my idea <laughs> My thought process was (laughs) how we were talking about, you know, all the colors and the logo and then this and that. I didn't want any of that to stop me from like getting to my first sales. You know what I mean? So I just kind of went out there very bare bones. Luckily, like I do have an eye. So I I was able to take really good pictures with my phone. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a camera, so I was able to take good pictures myself. But still, like, I mean, up until very recently, (laughs) I was still like taking pictures um, when it first started, like I was doing all of the modeling myself, um, you know, going live. It was like a one woman show, like mm-hmm. sending out the emails, sending Mailing out the texts, like everything was me. Wow. Yeah. Well, my mom, she came on and she was like our shipping manager. Okay. But like all the marketing mm-hmm. and like the technical side of the website was me. So, you know, as I have to let those things go and kind of delegate those things to other people, you know, your expenses grow. Mm-hmm. So. So let's talk about mama now. I understand that you convinced her to quit her job to work for you. (laughs) Tell us this story. How did that come about? (laughs) So uh, my mom, she is, everybody loves her. She's the sweetest person. She is such a hard worker. And um, when Hoop Mom started taking off, she would come over, she would work her job and then call me and say, you need help with anything? And I'm like, I do actually. So she would come over every day wow. and like help me package things. Shout out me. to mama. She would take stuff to the, I know, shout out to mama. She would take stuff to the um, post office, especially because I had a daughter, like my daughter was two at the time mm. when stuff started taking off. So um, she was really just like helping me every step of the way. And my grandmother, my grandmother just passed not too long ago, but mm, she was coming over doing what she could. It was, it yeah. was like a whole, a whole little thing. So, um, we had, Hoop Bob had crossed the six figure mark and I was still scared to hire. Like we were still doing everything out of my dining room <laughs> and, um, my friend Kiana, she is a lawyer. She opened her um, law firm and I went to the opening and we're talking and 
you know, I'm telling her, I'm like, yeah, we crossed six figures. She's like, oh my God. And I'm like, I feel like I need to hire somebody. She's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, yes. when you're going to hire, like, you can hire somebody. Like, please, you're going to kill yourself. You need to hire somebody. And I knew I wanted to hire my mom just because she had been there from the start. Mm-hmm. She's, and any job she's ever had, they loved her. Yes. Like, she's so hardworking, always on time. Like, she's one of those people just very dependable, mm-hmm. very, like, you know, solution oriented, all of that. So um, she came over one day and um, I said, well, um, I think, I think it's time. I think, I think you should quit your job. And she was like, huh? <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, I told her like how much I was, you know, I would be able to pay her. And I was like, so can you quit Friday? It was like Tuesday. Oh my and she was God. like, yep, I sure can. <laughs> She said, that'll do she it. Quit her job. Yes, because um, again, like in Flint, we were um, in Flint, like the outskirts of Flint, basically at that time. And there's a lot of like factory jobs and stuff like that. And so that's what she was doing. And I'm like, you know, they barely get a lunch break. They got to work six days a week. Uh. And it's like, you know, you can't be on your phone. And I'm like, that is just not how my mom should be living. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I was just so happy that I was able to build this with yes. her basically. And still like she, I'm sure she's at the office right now. Like she, this is her baby. She don't play about hoop mob because it's my baby. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. So. I just think that's so impressive. A lot of people, we want to hire family or we want to, to retire family even. And to have your ducks in a row enough to be able to do that that is really impressive and it doesn't always have to look like super smooth like for example when you did that did you have an official payroll processor or were you just going to do that um just manually doing your bookkeeping still yeah so i had an accountant but we weren't doing payroll yet and so um my accountant was like well you can just schedule bank transfers like you know zelle payments or something like that every two weeks and just so we have record of like, okay. you know, payments being made, but no, we didn't start doing payroll until the following year. Got it. Got it. And how did you find your yeah. accountant? I love that you have that squared away. Yes. So she, um, she was actually from Flint as well, but she um, was living in Atlanta and I always knew um, of her and knew that she did that. And so the first month that we did five figures, I think our first month was like 12,000. And I mm-hmm. was like, girl, tell me what to do. I don't know how this is. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like, I want to make sure I'm not, you know, that I'm really making this work. So, um, yeah, I got her on board right away. Amen. I love it. I love it. You can't have Uncle Sam coming after you like, hey, how much did you make? (laughs) Where's that money? (laughs) Where's my cut? Um, Exactly. How have you gone about expanding your team, hiring the right people who are also like your mom, dependable and solution oriented? It's funny. I have a lot of family and a lot of friends working for me, um, which I know a lot of people could, you know, speak against that. And uh-huh. I totally understand. But um, so, like I said, my mom works for me, um, my sister, my aunt, mm-hmm. um, and then some people that I've worked with in the past um, have come on board. And so how I go about it is basically... I don't know. I really think I'm good at kind of seeing people's skill sets outside of like, you know, what they're doing. Like if I can see like, you know what, she's really good at this and maybe she doesn't know it. You know, for example, my aunt, she is um, 
And we're like the same age, so she's not, you know, an older <laughs> auntie. <laughs> so she loves Hoop Mob. That's first of all. So just even her um, love for the brand makes yes. her really dependable and she cares. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I saw that. I'm like, she really cares about the company and the success of the company. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she, I can bring her on board. And so she manages like the inventory, basically anything that comes in, she's warehousing it, putting it away, okay. counting it, making sure Shopify matches up with what we actually have. Yep. Um, so she does all of that. But when we do anything um, in person, like a pop-up, we just went to Essence Fest, for oh, example. Nice. She is so good with customers. It is just insane. Like, the upselling, the <laughs> making sure, and essence, like we had, um, so our booth, praise God, we had like a line in our booth and nice. like it, people were waiting, you know? And so some people were getting frustrated and you can kind of see that. Yeah. And she was like, are you okay? Is everything good? Do you need anything? Yeah, like, it was so, it was like so yes. funny to watch. Yes. But just seeing that, you know, I'm really paying attention to things because mm-hmm. we do plan to expand to, um, you know, open a retail store in the future. Ooh, and I'm nice. like, she's going to manage that store yes. because she's so good at this. She's yeah. so good at like customer service and she cares about the products and, and the, you know, just the merchandise and all of that. I'm like, okay, I can see her doing that. Um, my sister, for example, I'm like, okay, she was, she came on board uh, initially doing customer service mm-hmm. just because it was remote. We needed somebody. She was living in New York. Um, but then I'm like, she went to Parsons. Like, why is she doing customer service? Like, yeah. She needs to be in the mix, you know right, what I mean, right. with the products. Yeah. So she now helps with the buying. And I think she loves that. I really, what I'm really doing is empowering people who, mm-hmm. like me, when I was in New York, I feel like nobody was like giving me the opportunities mm-hmm. that I wanted or mm-hmm. that I Neat. could do, you yeah. know what I mean, for example. And so I'm just really paying attention to people. And I'm like, I think they can do this. And I'm like empowering them to do it. Um, And I think people feel really good when they are trusted with more responsibility. They perform well. They're appreciated for it. So, yeah, my hiring process has not been like Indeed Post. I think we did that once. Um, but then we ended up hiring somebody that was like related to my friend. So, <laughs> love it, love still, it. Still like all in the family. <laughs> I'm always curious about that because family dynamics are so interesting. Like I would wonder, you know, if some families would be like, I'm not listening to you. Like, oh, thanks for hiring me. Don't tell me what to do. You know, like <laughs> who are you talking to? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I see it be, yes. <laughs> and even my mom, it's so interesting because I was like, that's my mom, but... Yeah. Girl, we got to run this business. Right, you know? right, so, right. You got to separate it. <laughs> yes. I, but I think um, it just depends on everyone's personality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and there is some people, um, not family, but like maybe some friends or whatever that I'm like, eh, yeah. I couldn't trust you in here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I definitely think you have to, I don't know, have some intuition about know who you're dealing personalities with. and all of that. So, okay. yeah. You have grown to this amazing point where you can hire, grow your team, pay family. Let's talk about what it took to get there. What did you do in the early days to market the business, to grow your following so that you grew such a huge customer base? Mm-hmm. Um, so initially, again, um, just kind of, I guess, diversifying our marketing from Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, but 
I started going live pretty early. Okay. Um, and I think that was really helpful and just people seeing the product. Number one, it was 2020. So people were just at home <laughs> anyway. So it was pretty, you know, it was, I don't want to say easier, but you could get people's attention pretty quickly because yeah. everybody's at home. Um, but I was going live. We started a Facebook group, which okay. I think was really, really helpful because if you think about it, like I can see how people would get discouraged um, when they're posting and nobody's interacting mm-hmm. or did anybody see it or I, we only got three likes. Oh, Lord. You know, I can see how people would get discouraged by that. So when we've made our Facebook group, the group is literally just to market my products and my brand and to interact with my customers. So it's like focused attention. You know okay. what I mean? But how do you entice people to join that? Like, why would they want to join a Facebook group just about you marketing to them? I'm sure that's not how you position it, right? So there was some scarcity built in mm. our brand, not purposefully, but just because we weren't in- investing a lot into inventory initially. I think that whole thing of like, oh, she's going to sell out. Let me make sure I can see it. And, okay. you know, and that I'm notified first. But also... Our group was like open initially. So Mm -hmm. we were just adding people. Oh, you know, (laughs) it was like invite, 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 like, Uh hey, get on the computer, invite all of these people. So we were just adding people and they didn't mind. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, this is cute stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I think that had a a lot to do with it, too, because um, although our marketing was very kind of like bare bones, it mm-hmm. was still, I still made sure like we have good lighting. The pictures are clear. Yeah. The videos are nice. You know what I mean? Um, it's not a bunch of crap in the background. You right, know what I mean? Right. It was still like <laughs> everything was still pretty polished, you know? And people were kind of intrigued by it. like, oh, who I love hoops. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, let, let's see what this is about. And then the fact that it was like actually cute stuff. It was selling out fast. So it was kind of creating that like buzz and anticipation. Um, And then when I would go live Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, this week she has a new color. Mm. Oh, this week there's a bigger size. Oh, this week, you know. So um, the lives are really, really important to the growth of our brand. And then once we got to a certain point where, you know, we were generating um, enough revenue, that's when I started investing into Facebook ads. And that really kind of took us took us to the top so and did you do any investment in influencer marketing or did that happen organically from people discovering your brand and wanting to share with their audience we didn't start doing influencers until last year okay so um we ran a huge not a huge but we we definitely tested out a bunch of influencers um last year and we just we took a budget and we're like, okay, we're going to split this. We're going to try to get 10 influencers and just see how it goes. We're going to um, repurpose their content into ads and just, you know, see how this goes. Um, and it went really well as far as like brand recognition okay. and just, you know, getting more eyes on us. Um, but some of the collaborations were bigger. So we did um, a collection with uh, Sign Blake. Okay. Um, and, and that one did really, really well for us. Um, and then we did um, like a bigger collaboration, like you said, with Monroe Steele. Mm-hmm. Um, and her literally, all I have to, if I look at our analytics and it's, <laughs> um, it's traffic coming from YouTube, I'm like, oh, Monroe must have mentioned us. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
video. She's talking about a scene right, now because right. literally, and I know it because there's so many things that I have purchased yep. because of her, yep. you know? so Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's why I just thought that was so smart for you too. But I know that you have to build up to that level, you know? Do you have any tips for folks before we jump into the lightning round? Any marketing tips from when is it worth it to look to influencers to, you know, what have, how do you make Facebook ads really work for you? Any tips before we um, jump into lightning round? Yes. Um, and I hope people are not like, oh, here we go with Samo, but you literally have to know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. So, and speak their language. So um, I think our ads perform fairly well because, you know, one, again, like our, um, the actual content, the actual creative looks really good. Yep. Um, and then we're taking things that are like, um, they're already doing really well. So mm-hmm. if we know products are already like top sellers, yeah. it's like people like this. So obviously if we put it in front of new people, the new people will probably like this as well. So yep. our ads will perform better and um, we'll get them in the fold because that's the main thing is like getting someone in your ecosystem you know what i mean like once they make their first purchase okay now they're part of our email list now they're part of our text message list now we can retarget them with ads um but you have to you know kind of use your your shiniest toy to to do it you know what i mean you have to use the the thing that you know people are gravitating towards anyway Uh um and just making sure you're really speaking um, to people. And then I would say too, um, so with Hoop Mob, it's so funny because our customers are now asking for like Hoop Mob branded things. And I've always been against that. Well, not always. We've done it a few times, yeah. but I don't favor it because it's not really about the brand. It's about the customers and how they relate to the brand or how the brand like, like Louis Vuitton, it's not about Louis Vuitton. It's about, I have Louis Vuitton. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not about the actual brand. It's like what that means for me and like what that makes the customer feel. So I feel like when we um, are talking to our customers, it's really about them. You know what I mean? And it's the brand is just a way to tie it all together. You know what I mean? So I feel like people kind of lead with their brand and lead with the, the name and all that like, if you're a new brand, I don't know you. I don't really care about your name. What does it mean <laughs> yeah. for me? Yep. You know? <laughs> I hear that. All right. So now let us jump into the lightning round. You know the deal. Just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'll just take a sip of water. Yes. All right. Number one, what is a resource? Top thing that comes to mind when you think about a resource that has really helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? I would say YouTube. Um, When people ask me for help with their Facebook ads, I always point them to YouTube. Um, There are people who literally show you step-by-step, like give you all the tips and tricks. YouTube University is my friend. Yes. Number two, who is a Black woman entrepreneur who you would want to switch places with for a day and why? Ooh, I think I would want to switch places with uh, Monique Rodriguez okay. because she has grown her brand just to the moon, basically. And so I would just want to see, you know, how it's operating now. Mm. I feel like like all of us, she kind of she started in her house, very small. Yes. And to have it be, you know, just a huge national brand like that. I would love to see what that looks yes, like. Yes, I love what she's done. Um, And we might have to circle back for an update episode with her. 
All right. Yes. <laughs> Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day these days? If I'm deciding to check out and take a nap, that's just a non-negotiable. <laughs> I hear it's that. It's going to get done. Guilt free. I don't care who needs a call. Guilt free. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. I am going to check out and take a nap. I am not one of those entrepreneurs who are just all on all the time. Right. No, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> That should be the title of this episode. No. <laughs> um, number four, what's a personal trait that you think has significantly helped you in business? Being personable. Mm. Uh, I hear that a lot. People say like, oh, you're very relatable. When we were at Essence, people were surprised that I was the owner because I was just in the trenches helping them yeah. shop. Yeah. And so um, I think just being able to run the business without my ego taking mm -hmm. over has helped me. Absolutely. I love that about you. And then finally, um, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing that steady paycheck? I would say bet on yourself. Nothing is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. You can get fired tomorrow and you'll have to figure it out anyway. Um, your best investment is yourself. You have all the tools you need. Literally, I'm sure there is signs leading to, you know, the things that you really want to do um, or what's on your heart or the gifts that you have. Yes. So I would just say to, to listen to that, to not be afraid of that. Literally all things are possible. So um, to just really believe in that. Uh, perfect way to end this show. And you guys remember to check this episode out on YouTube and see um, if you haven't already gone to her Instagram or what have you, just her awesome, awesome line. I mean, I'm looking at my earrings. They're all dull and flat and your jewelry <laughs> is just popping off the screen. I am. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like I need to. <laughs> to re-up and get me some hoop mob so please please do that and where can people connect with you and hoop mob after this episode yeah so if you want to connect with me you can find me on instagram it's uh just at danielle walton and then you can follow hoop mob at the hoop mob on instagram also if you're on facebook make sure you join our facebook group which is called hoop mob hideout um mm. sometimes we show things ahead of time yes. you know we get your opinion your feedback all of that jazz so um definitely stay connected all right guys and there you have it i will talk to you next week Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.